Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 46 of the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. Today, my guest is Laura Virch, and I'm calling this episode The Two Sides to Laura Virch, and I'm going to tell you why. On the one side, we have a woman who is passionate and has this love and desire for makeup artistry. She was huge on Vine becoming other people, and she's been Beetlejuice. I mean, we talked about it. It was fantastic, and she really shares her love for Halloween and how it came to be. On the other side we talk about her corporate flight attendant life and how she used to be afraid to fly now she's a corporate flight attendant flying all over the world and she walks me through her daily routine her schedule what it's like to be on for seven hours we had such a great conversation it's such a different life compared to the commercial flight attendant world ladies and gentlemen please welcome my guest laura to the show hey everybody welcome laura to the show hey laura how are you Hi, I'm wonderful. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, how are you doing? How's life during COVID-19? How's everything going with you guys? Oh, man. Well, you know, I'm just right now so, so grateful and thankful that I even have a job in aviation right now. <laughs> I feel like, you know, a lot of people are, and a lot of my airline friends feel like they're in limbo and it's just it's a really scary time but i'm just very thankful that i have a job now did you have um a brief period of time off or have you been flying during this entire covid19 pandemic situation so actually at the very beginning like around march um i didn't fly for i think it was about three months um i was on call i was so i was technically working uh, but I just wasn't out. And I, I think it just depended on, you know, where you're based compared to where the flights were going out of and um, if it made sense to airline you out and where the your your crews that you were paired with were. And it just, you know, it was, it, it just depended on that, I guess. I am. Um, yeah. You know, I retired. I ended my flight attendant career on June 16th. It was my official oh my last day as a flight attendant. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. I know. I'm excited. I can do edibles now and I won't get fired. It's amazing. My life has changed. (laughs) I think I think I tell too many people I do edibles now. But they're like, you're so much happier now. I'm like Yeah. I'm like, they're so they're like you're you're so much happier now. I'm like, drugs, drugs. (laughs) All the drugs. All the well, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like shooting myself up. 
cut all the time. I don't need a deviated septum. I'm not doing coke. Like, but I do. <laughs> I do enjoy like my husband and I have this routine now we like because we both are working from home right now and we love to like after the day's over we kind of have an edible and then we sit on the sofa and we watch TV and it's just so much fun I love it I love it it's it's fun it's something to look forward to when you retire I love it. That'll be on my list. For yes. sure. Now you and I actually have never met. We've never talked in person, but we have a connection. And that connection is Mike Wagner, because when he did that chemtrails at night video years ago, you were like the star of the video. I had like this little cameo, but, um, have, have you known Mike for a long time? I've known him for a while. Yeah, I actually, so I used to do, um, kind of like, funny skits and stuff on YouTube. Um, a lot of those are private now. They're, they're extremely cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> I loved, um, I loved Vine, uh, you know, the precursor to TikTok. But um, I mean, I, I, I love doing stuff like that. And one of my friends from initial training actually came up and told me, oh my God, you have got to meet this guy, Mike. You would love him. He, he loves doing videos too. And it was funny. I was coming from a hotel on the shuttle going to one of the, one of the airport FBOs and he was getting on the shuttle while I was getting off. And I said, are you Mike Wagner? I have been told I have got to meet you. Oh, that's awesome. We've just been fast friends ever since. It's, It's been really fun. How did he get you to do that music video? Was, did he just have to say, Hey, like me, like, did he have to beg? Like when I begged you to come on my podcast? No, 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 no. So the first one that I was in actually was um, I Sit Around. Oh, and, okay. And so he he asked if I wanted to be involved, and I was like, oh, my gosh, absolutely. And, you know, he, he filmed a lot of, of his friends doing that. But I actually, for that one, I set up my camera um, in the Charleston FEO, and I filmed my part, and I sent that to him. So I'm, I'm the girl that's, like, looking really bored sitting in the FEO chair. And then I sent that to him. And so he put that one in the I Sit Around video. And then the chemtrail night, um, Mike and his wife actually came to my house for a Halloween party. And then the next day, we just filmed all day and set up a green screen. And and it was was fun. It was really fun. (laughs) Now, um, you're a big fan of Halloween. When did that start? Oh, my God. Birth. You came out in a costume. Yeah, I did. I, I was made up. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't know. I think my dad really was obsessed with Halloween, too. Not not to my level. But, I mean, I have pictures where he did my makeup while I was a toddler. And I just, I really have always loved it. I've loved all hol- holidays, really. But Halloween, I just, I love becoming another person. It's just, it's so much fun. (laughs) What is your, what is your fate? And I agree with you. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, I was a, you know, I was gay even when I was a kid and I could remember specifically always wanting to be a witch. So my mom would always be like, that's odd, but okay, it's Halloween. And (laughs) this is, this is very, but this is very, I'm sorry, keep it. Oh no, you were, you were cutting off there. Um, so I would dress up as a witch, but by the end of the night, I would just be in heels and a dress. And I was like, this is fun too. (laughs) I love it. That's fantastic. 
No, I, I actually, the, the big part of my makeup started with witch makeup because my dad did this grotesque witch makeup on me for probably about six years in a row when I was, I think, in elementary school. And I just loved it so much. And when he stopped doing that, I just kind of took it on myself and, and tried to see what I could do with it. And I don't know. And in, in college, I kind of went off towards the, oh, you know, who cares about Halloween? I'll just do something, you know, kind of cutesy, whatever. And I realized I was like, screw this. I, I want to bring the scary back to Halloween. <laughs> so you started what so does what does that mean you started doing like scarier witches monsters oh, no. things like that or man i one of my favorites i think that i've ever done was beetlejuice oh my um, god that's so cool and it's not it, it wasn't you know like get a, a girl's version of the costume of beetlejuice it's i mean i went i went full on like i painted my teeth with this stuff called teeth rot from the halloween store oh wow <laughs> And so, I mean, I, I did my hair, you know, crazy and I, I got a, a Beetlejuice costume. Um, I actually got a, a child size large cause it, I, it fit <laughs> me and it was funny, <laughs> but, uh, I, I did Chucky this past year. Um, I've done, what, what did I do? I did uh, Jack Torrance from, uh, the shining. Oh, actually wow. that was, that was really fun. I went with my boyfriend, Nick, um, to the Stanley Hotel in Colorado where Stephen King based uh, The Shining on. And they have this huge party, this huge Shining party in, in October every year. And, and we went and he was um, he was the bartender that serves Jack Torrance, you know, the, the whiskey when he starts going crazy. And it's, oh. uh, it was... <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you actually met the kid from Stranger Things there. I told you I'm a stalker. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that was hysterical. Nick, Nick was so embarrassed about me doing that, but I was like, Oh my God, Nick, that's the kid from stranger things where we have to get a picture. And he was like, no, no. Cause Nick's in film. And so he's, you know, he sees these people like all the time. And, and I was like, no, we're going after him. And I, I pretty much sped walked. I, I wasn't running. I promise you. I was just speed walking through the airport and I tapped him on the shoulder and, and he was so nice. And he talked to us for a little while and, and I got a picture with him. And it, it was Oh my cool. God. You chased a teenager down in the airport. I did. I don't even know if he was a teenager yet. He might've been like 12. He could be like 40 now. I don't even know how these things work. You know, that happened to me at JFK once I was walking. I was late. I was late. To, I, I shouldn't say I, ne I was never late. I never got any points for being late, but I was like hightailing it. You know, when you have that moment where you're like, I got to be at the gate, but I also got to get Starbucks and now I have to run to the gate. And exactly. um, I, I was walking really fast. And as I was walking, I was like, that looks like Paul Abdul. That's Paul Abdul. And then <laughs> I... And then I find myself walking backwards facing her as I'm walking backwards and I'm really running and I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh my God. And I, and then I wanted to sing rush, rush to her. I'm crazy. I cannot, I cannot meet celebrities, but, um, well, did you talk to her? no, are you kidding me? The only celebrity I've really ever had a conversation with, with was Donald Sutherland. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Donald Here's Sutherland. I asked him what he wanted to drink and he said a hot tea. And I said, 
Jack Daniels on the rocks? And he goes, where did that come from? And I'm like, probably because I'm so nervous. I need one. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. You've I also, love it. Um, you also have met um, one of the boys to men. Well, now they're just men to men. Well, no, I guess they're still boys to men, but you had a picture of him yes. on Instagram. How? Do, what was that about? Yes. So I was actually, I think it was one of my recurrent trainings. I was, I was in Columbus just for my annual training and I was leaving. It was, it was my last day and I had heard that they were, were playing a concert really close to my hotel, but you know, I, I wasn't able to go with all the, the studying and all the stuff that we had to do. Um, and it was so funny because I was about to jump on a plane to go back home and all of a sudden I saw him and I was like, this can't be real. Oh my God. So I, I, I came up to him and I said, I'm such a big fan. I hated that I had to miss it. Um, but maybe next time I'll, I'll see your show. But he, he was so nice and we took a picture and, you know, as long as I'm, I'm not flying these people, I'll go up and talk to celebrities. <laughs> oh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I saw... <laughs> I actually, my husband and I, we used to have this, we used to have this tradition that we would go to Vegas during Christmas because it's dead. It's cheap. There's nobody there until like the 28th when people start showing up for New Year's Eve. So you can get really good deals. And we were walking down by the, like the TKS booth or maybe that's New York, but you know what I mean? Like the cheap tickets. And they had tickets for like boys to men. And I was like, my nineties R and B kid just started screaming. And oh my God. I was like, Story. we have Story. to go. We have to go. And let me tell you, have, so have you actually seen them or no? I have not seen boys to men, but I've seen other boy bands a lot. Well, let me tell you <laughs> boys to men sound when you're in the, they literally sound, and I hate saying the word literate, but they sound like it's still 1994. Oh my God. I don't know how it's, I don't know. I just remember I kept looking at my husband and going, how this is live. Cause I know it's live. It's not recorded, but they sound exactly the way they did 25 years ago. And then they did the sweetest thing where um, they were, I don't remember exactly what song it was, but they were singing it. Oh my God. Um, on bended knee, maybe. And they were, they had all the women get up in the aisle and come down and they handed each woman a rose. Oh my gosh. I, I started getting up and my husband's like, I don't think they mean you. <laughs> I was like, Damn it. Oh, you should have tried. <laughs> I paid my ticket too. Um, so you're, so because you've always been in, I want to talk to you about this makeup artistry. You're so incredible. Um, I want to play a little clip for you and then I want to talk about it. You're, are you nervous about the clip? I'm nervous. I have no idea what you're. Oh no 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 no! It's not bad. It's it's um, I, it's I'm gonna play this clip and I want and you're gonna know immediately what I'm gonna talk about after. So are you ready? Okay. Yeah. It's a very short clip. I promise. Okay. <laughs> so when I was stalking you, I found this incredible video of you from Vine where you trans transition from a woman into a dude and you were playing this song. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> you're like, okay, okay. Now I know where to go with this. <laughs> oh my God. So this is this, you have to rewind to Vine. So I, I was obsessed with Vine. I loved Vine so much. I made so many friends. So there was a guy on Vine. Um, his name is Tony. 
And he had an account. He had a couple different accounts that were just phenomenal. They were awesome. But one of his really fun accounts was called um, Tony Dances to Pony or Tony Dances with Pony. I don't know. It was genuine genuine Pony, that song. And his account was just him all over the place, like dancing to this song, just like random binds of him just dancing, like breaking it down hardcore to this song. And I think actually one time Genuine like got in touch with him and asked him to come up on stage and dance with him at a show. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was amazing. But um, at that point in time with Vine, I was really into um, this hashtag become another person, mm-hmm. uh, which Nick Pelloey, one of my friends on Vine, he pretty much started that. And I got really into that. I loved changing myself into other people. And the first time I did that on Vine, I actually changed myself into Walter White from Breaking Bad. And that that might be my all-time favorite. That was that was really fun because Nick Nick had uh, suggested something about, you know, maybe you should do Skylar or something if, if we were going to collaborate. And and I was like, you know, I, I don't want to do the girl. I, I want to do something where I change myself to, into someone that no one's expecting. And so... I changed myself into Walter White for that. But um, back to the to the uh, the other one, the clip that you were playing. Um, so that one, I changed myself into one of my friends on Vine, uh, Tony Dances to Pony, and <laughs> <laughs> I just I did the uh, you know the little transition with all the makeup, just kind of slowly um, showing how the makeup progressed, and then at the very end, I you know I started dancing to to Pony. <laughs> It was great. It was great. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to play this little clip and see what she says about it. Because (laughs) when you watch it, it's, it's so cool. Cause it's one of those, um, sped up videos where you start as, as yourself and then you're a guy at the end. And I didn't know who the guy was. And now I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a man. I was not expecting you to bring up that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I told you when I texted you before we started, I said, hold on, I'll call you in 15 minutes. I'm stalking you still. It takes me, it takes me a while. <laughs> oh my God, I'm weird, but you know, I embrace my weirdness. Well, so. <laughs> I don't think you're weird. I think you're so creative. You, um, you do night photography. You're welcome. You do night photography, but I'm really fascinated with this makeup um, I'm not going to say obsession that you have, but this makeup artistry that you have that you've obviously mastered since coming out of your mom and loving Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've just, I've really, I've really enjoyed it and I've never taken any classes or anything. I've just kind of been self-taught and I, I like to watch videos about what people do. And, and so I'll just, I'll kind of just, teach myself different things. I'll try stuff in the mirror and if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll just start over and, and do something different. But it's, it's been really fun. I love it. I have at least like three or four, sometimes five costumes every, every Halloween. Um, for the same night? <laughs> Definitely not the same night. Not the same night. Okay. I'll have different parties and stuff. And, and, you know, one, one time I had, um, I had a party on October 13th because it was Friday the 13th in October. And I was like, Oh my God, this is perfection. 
And um, and I did Pennywise, the the clown, the it clown. Mm-hmm. That was that that was one of my favorites too. That really freaked out my friends. <laughs> now you've you've mentioned you've mentioned becoming a different person, becoming another person, and you talked about how that fascinates you. What is it? What is it though? Stepping out of Laura and stepping into someone different that really entices you. Man, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you know you have you have one life to live. Why just be one person? <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. <laughs> be a clown. You could be a clown. You could be a witch. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I feel like you know. Makeup is fun uh, to to enhance your own uh, beauty, you know, things that, that you like about yourself and make you feel confident about yourself. But, you know, you can take it in the complete opposite direction, too. I mean, you can be completely grotesque and just something that that will get reactions out of people. And I, I don't know. I just like being able to create something you know, not necessarily on a, on a canvas or, or with photography, which I I love doing that too. But I mean, it's just, it's fun having your face as the canvas. (laughs) Yeah. What's more, what's more thrilling for you? Like being a, a character that you've done up, that's like grotesque and people don't know who you are or being like not putting any makeup on, or let me, let me rewind. Do you ever do costumes where you really don't have any makeup on? Um, let me think. I'm trying to think if I've done anything like that. Um, I don't, I, I really don't think I have. I usually, I usually put crazy amounts of makeup on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I just, I, I, I love doing the makeup. Um, but let me think, I feel like maybe there was one where I didn't do too much. Um, I mean the Jack Torrance one, but I, I changed my eyebrows a lot. So that, and I kind of put like scruff on my face. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think I have done one where I didn't put a lot of makeup on um, other than, you know, like, you know, cute, the sexy Halloween kind of things, which, you know, I've, I've done here and there, but they're just not that fun. That sounds, it's, <laughs> you know, at your level, you know, being the sexy flight attendant or the sexy nurse sounds very basic. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I like, I like going to the next level and just doing things that, that aren't really expected. And I don't know, it's, it's just fun for me. I, I just love it. It's, it's one of my favorite times of year. I, I plan very far in advance. And if I can't do a, a costume uh, for one Halloween, I'll just, I'll push it to the next. Okay. So what are you doing? Cause it's, it's August. So I'm positive and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're as organized as I would think, I would imagine, you know, kind of the idea of what you would want to do for a Halloween 2020. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely, I already have at least two, um, set up and ready to go. Set up um, and, and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about another one, but see, I'm just, I am so worried that Halloween is going to get canceled with all this COVID stuff, but you know what? I'm dressing up anyways. I don't care. It's happening. (laughs) Would you ever think of having like a zoom party if that does happen? Oh my God. Yeah. I would love that. That would be fantastic. That sounds fun. All right. Put my name down for the invitation, please. (laughs) Invited. Totally invited. Do you, um, (laughs) 
Do you enjoy doing makeup and other, like when you're, can I say your boyfriend's name on the show? Sure, absolutely. When, when you and Nick are getting all ready to go for Halloween, do you help him with his like makeup or his costume also, or is he kind of on his own? Um, he pretty much does uh, what he wants to because he, he knows that, you know, Halloween's usually my kind of thing. But, uh, and I'm not, I haven't always been too keen on the, the couple costumes, but there are a few couple costumes that I would be okay doing um, with him. And there's one that we did one time. He actually, I was Daenerys Targaryen from um, Game of Thrones. And I brought like these little um, dragon kind of, hat things and he he put on a, a dragon hat and he was my ice dragon <laughs> that's awesome oh do you know um do you know what this reminds me of have you ever have you ever of course you've heard of heidi klum but she goes all out for halloween too did you know that i love her i'm obsessed i love that she does that and whenever she comes out with something new i'm always like oh my god yes that's fantastic i loved when she did jessica rabbit that was perfect. oh i saw that like she I don't even know how, how that happens, but is that somebody that you admire and look up to and you're like, all right, you know, I've got to take it to the next level. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I love what she does. Um, she actually, when she did Jessica rabbit, I think I had done Jessica rabbit maybe like a year or two before that. And, but it, it was nowhere near like how awesome she did. I mean, she had prosthetics for the huge ginormous boobs and, I mean, she, she had a whole team working on her and that, that's the thing when you see her getting ready for Halloween, I mean, she posted the pictures where she's surrounded by these people that are helping her out and, you know, man, I'd love to have a team, but, um, I, and I'd love to, to look into prosthetics. I haven't done a lot of prosthetics before, um, but I, I'd love to get into it. And I actually, it was really cool. I actually got to shadow, um, a makeup artist for a show that was, filming in here or in Charleston. Um, and I got to, to shadow them for one day and it was one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Um, so who knows, maybe that'll be in my future too. <laughs> Do you ever see yourself? Um, and we're going to talk about you being a flight attendant, of course, but do you ever see yourself wanting to get into makeup artistry at this level? And I don't mean like working at the Mac counter at Bloomingdale's. I mean, like, getting into like Hollywood movies and doing that type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's why I did that shadowing. Um, that one time it was, God, it was so much fun. The thing that sucks for me though, is that I love doing it on myself, but when I have tried to do just the littlest things on other people, I can't seem to get the best grasp on it. So I'm going to have to take a lot of classes, and kind of teach myself because I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gotten uh, the best results on other people. I can do things on my face like phenomenally, but I cannot do it on other people that well. So I need to practice, but to answer your question, yes, I would be very interested in getting at that. I would, I would love to do that at some point. And this is a great point to transition into your life as a flight attendant. And I'm going to ask this question to transition because you like to transition your face into other things. Oh my God, I am on point. I am on point today. Um, um, where do you think your passion is leaning towards more? 
makeup artistry or being a flight attendant? Oh man. Um, this gets, yeah, I'm telling you, sometimes I throw some curveballs. Sometimes I throw some curveball questions. <laughs> well, see, I love the reason why I love flying so much, especially with the job that I have now is that I have so much time off and I can manipulate my schedule so well that I can do the other things, artistic things and creative things that I like to do on the side. So that's the thing that I've talked with my boyfriend about and everything. I mean, I would love, love to end up doing something creative, but as of right now, I love, not even just like love. I, I really just absolutely adore my job. I mean, all the benefits and everything. And I, I just, I, I don't know what to say. I, cause I do want to be doing something creative and I feel like I'm able to do that because of the time off that I get with flying. Yeah, that's true because there's so much free time that you have. Um, you love to, you love to dress up. You love to be somebody else. Do you think that when you put on the uniform and you step on the plane, do you kind of put it in your brain? Like I'm a flight attendant today. I'm somebody different today. Does that happen? Okay. Completely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we all have our faces that we put on in front of the, front of the clients and guests on board, you know, right. <laughs> you, you, well, hopefully, you put on your, hopefully some people do. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Hopefully. But um absolutely to answer that question for sure. I mean you, you have to put on that that face and and uh I I definitely become another person at, at that point. But I, I love it. I, I really do and I love going to to different places. I love traveling and the hospitality aspect of everything. I mean it's it's and it's very different from commercial flying, but I mean it what what's funny about how I started into flying? I graduated from college with an art degree, mm-hmm. um, and I concentrated in photography, and I had a minor in film studies. And I wanted to be able to continue doing art, and I wanted to be able to travel the world and take pictures, dot dot dot, and still have health insurance. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. So I. I just, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I started looking around. I was like, you know what? Aviation really checks off all of those boxes for me. So I'd be able to still do everything I wanted and travel around and get health insurance, get the benefits I wanted, have that stable job, but be able to be creative on my time off. Um, so that, that was really what I, I, ended up doing. And I'm so happy that I ended up doing that. Uh, One problem at the beginning was that I was terrified of flying. Oh my God. I was too. That the, the first chapter in my first book is called fear is not an option. And it's about how I got over my fear of flying. Cause I would cry before I became a flight attendant. I would cry every time we took off. Oh my God. This is so, this is blowing my mind right now because I was sitting there with my mom right before I went to fly to my initial training and I was bawling. I mean, I was just absolutely bawling. I was like, mom, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I really, really don't know. And I was the kind of kid that when my parents went on a trip or something, I would just, 
start crying and I would, I would prepare for them to be gone forever. So I would say my goodbyes. Oh my God. Oh, that's, you were like, you're not coming back. Like that's what you yep. told your, oh, that's, oh, how old were you? Please I don't mean, say 20. <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday. No. <laughs> no I, I mean, it was when I was really little. So I mean, at elementary school. And then I remember going on my first big trip with them. Um, we went, uh, I think, to it, yeah, it was Rome. And we went to Italy. And I remember saying goodbye to my friends and just being like, this is it. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you even think you'd get to Rome? Or did you think it would happen on the way no. back? No. <laughs> no. I, and, and I was so, so terrified. And I remember um, the captain coming over you know, the speaker and saying, all right, guys, that, you know, everybody look out your window um, at those glaciers. This is around the, the area where the Titanic sank. And I was like, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> this is the worst. That's hilarious. Um, so how, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not even editing this out because it's hilarious. Um, so how did you get over your fear of flying? Honestly, I still don't know to this day because I got on that plane just bawling. I just, and I, I, I was shaking. I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I just, honestly, I think I sat down and talked to myself and was like, Laura, you got to pull your big girl panties up and just get the fuck over it. Cause I want it. Yeah. It. You know, I want these things that I wanted to do. I mean, just weren't going to happen if I, if I was, if I was too scared and I just said, you know what, I, I can't do it. And I, I told myself, yes, you can, <laughs> you just, you have to make yourself do it. And, and now what's weird, um, is that I love turbulence. I'm a weirdo. I I'm the person that loves when we fly through those big clouds and we get bumps, uh, obviously not when I'm serving, but right. Right. Now, how long have you been a flight attendant? Uh, well, I uh, I guess I started commercial flying uh, 2009, um, and I only did that for a year. Um, I, I started off with a little regional company, mm -hmm. um, and I, I did that in a, a few months into flying with that regional company. I decided I wanted to explore my options um, and see what other things with aviation were out there. And so I, I Googled flight attendants hiring. And the very first thing that came up, uh, was flight attendant I think that's what it was. I think it's still there. Um, but it was a list literally of every single airline that was hired or every single airline that was there. And if they were hiring, they had a little asterisk next to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were telling commercial and private flying companies. So they were, they were giving you all of these options. And I was like, man, maybe I should look into flying privately. I mean, I have absolutely no experience, but maybe I should look into it. And so I looked on that list and I found uh, one of the companies, it was an aircraft management company and it was looking for a flight attendant um, to place on a private jet based out of, I think it was, Burbank or, or Van Nuys or something. And so I sent all my info in my resume cover letter, you know, uh, never heard back. And I was, I just kind of forgot about it. I was like, okay, well, I have no experience, whatever. So fast forward a few months 
And that same aircraft management company was looking for a flight attendant to be based in Charleston, South Carolina. Hmm. And at the time, I was in Salt Lake City. Um, I had only been in Salt Lake City for six months. It was it was very new to me. Um, and I, I was really wanting to get back to South Carolina because that's where I grew up. Um, and I was like, wow, how do I actually get them to respond to me this time? They didn't give me the time of day last time. So I did some research. Um, and I found the CEO of that aircraft management company on Facebook. Oh my God. <laughs> I sent him a message saying, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm really interested in getting into private aviation and I'd love to ask you some questions about the industry and about this Charleston opening that you have. And the next day he actually didn't uh, contact me back, but the head flight attendant, the chief flight attendant for that company got in touch with me and said that she had uh, gotten my name from his secretary or something like after I sent that message. (laughs) And then I got the interview and I was flown to Van Nuys for training. And so that tied into the private aviation kind of (laughs) sector. So when you applied with them, were you still at the regional? I was. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm still fascinated with your fear of flying. So when you were, so when you were actually going to training for the regional airline, you were still on the fence about like, what am I doing? I don't know if I could do this because I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. How was it when you were through going through training? Did some of the fear kind of subside? Because I know for me, I was, you know, when I was afraid to fly, it was, it was, I used to be fine in the eighties and then the nineties. And then after a nine 11 is when I didn't, I was like, I'm never going to get on an airplane again because you know, when, when our irrational fears take over, we don't really, we can't argue with them. Right. When you're like, I am afraid of alligators and I still think there's alligators here in Colorado that are going to eat me. So I mean, irrational fears, but I can remember when, um, I was so afraid and my husband and I were flying from Orlando to Manchester, England on uh, Virgin Atlantic on the 747 mm-hmm. and they had a vid and I was crying and he was like, cause I would cry. We used to live in Orlando and we would take off and I would cry and he would say, and cause when the plane started turning is when I would panic and go crazy. And he would say, well, we have to turn or we're just going to run out of gas in the Atlantic ocean. I'm like, well, that sounds worse too. And so I was on this 747 flying to Manchester, England, and there was only like a hundred people on the plane. So after we took off, they were like, you can spread out and do whatever. So I got my own row and I was like, and I turned on the TV, little TV and I was clicking and there was this movie and it was like, so you're afraid to fly on an airplane. We're going to teach you how not to be afraid. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. By the time the show was over, I wasn't afraid anymore. And I remember my husband was sitting in front of me and I tapped him and he turned around. I said, I'm not afraid. And you know, people always scream on an airplane because it's loud. I'm like, I'm not afraid to fly anymore. And he's like, okay, crazy. Wait, there was actually a movie about there, getting over fear of flying? Yeah, you know how um you know how like when you fly on those big flights or any other plane any planes and they have uh-huh. those little specials like, hey, learn about the city you're gonna go to. Well, it was this video about how does this maybe it wasn't so you're yeah it was like so you're afraid to fly this is what this is what's happening on the airplane you hear that this is what that is when we take off that grinding sound it's just the tires coming up 
And I just remember finishing the show and thinking, I'm not afraid anymore. And he thought I was crazy. And then when we finally got back home and we would fly more, he would watch me and I wouldn't like down like a bottle of vodka or something. I was really cool. I was like, no, nah, I'm not even scared anymore. And it was that video. Oh my God, that is genius. They and need to keep that record. I know, and I've never been able to find it because everyone I've told this story to, they're always like, where's that video? I'm like, I have no clue. And then I started thinking, maybe this is like a Twilight Zone thing and it's just my imagination, but no, it's <laughs> real. It's, it's real. And, um, and I'm just like you, I went from being scared to when there was turb, like I, I didn't, I didn't love turbulence, but I wouldn't be afraid of turbulence. I would be annoyed with turbulence because I was like, I'm trying to work. <laughs> exactly. I felt the same way. I remember one time when I was, you know, pushing the cart, when I was still in the regional airlines. And I remember rolling my eyes when I went through turbulence. And I was like, all right, you can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I would have been, you know, like absolutely horrified just like a year earlier. And it was just a complete change. But I will say during training, um, there was one day where they showed us just like a bunch of videos of <laughs> horrible crashes and like things that that the crews did wrong. And, and, you know, it was just like terrifying for me. And I remember, um, grabbing, you know, the teacher and being like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and oh. I just remember crying. And I remember sitting in the corner after talking to him and just really having a come to Jesus meeting with myself. And I was like, what am I doing? Can I do this? And I, that's, I think that's just when I really decided that I'm like, yes, you can do this. You know, it's just like driver's ed when they show you all of those videos of everybody's faces hanging off when they get in a big crash. God, Laura, <laughs> that's so violent. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's the only thing I remember about driver's ed. I was, I was telling Nick the other day, I was like, you know, honestly, I don't remember anything that they taught me. I mean, I, I can parallel park with the best of them. So they must've taught me something great. But, um, but yeah, I just remember the day that they showed us all of the videos with everyone just like bloody on the pavement. And I was like, geez, this is, this is fun. I, I know, <laughs> I know something that gave, and tell me if this, you can relate to this. I know that when I, when I was hired at the airline, I wasn't afraid anymore, but I was still anxious and a little bit nervous. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember feeling so much better once I felt like I was in control or I had power on the airplane. And of course I would always say to myself, well, I'm on the jump seat by the door. If anyone's getting out first, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that feeling of power definitely. I mean, it, it, it does help soothe your, your nerves for sure. <laughs> do you, um, today now today, do you feel differently when you're a passenger compared to when you're actually working. Cause I know even to this day, after being a flight attendant for 12 and a half years, if I'm in a if I'm a passenger and there's turbulence, my mind works much differently than if I'm working and I'm standing in the galley. It's so weird. Um, it, it depends. It depends on how severe the turbulence is. Like, uh, if I'm working and there's turbulence, I'm annoyed. Um, because I, you know, if I'm serving something, I don't want to spill, you know, red wine on someone's lap and all that stuff. Um, but if I'm sitting in an airline and there's light turbulence, 
I'm all about it. I'm like, yes, this is great. This is fun. But if it's intense and severe turbulence and, you know, when people start like screaming and, and people's tray tables start slapping up and down. And, right. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff, I, I start, you know, white knuckling it, you know, holding the, <laughs> the armrest. But, um, yeah, I guess it just depends on how severe the turbulence is. Um, so you're a, and I don't even know if we've, well, you said private pilot, but we haven't even established really that you're a corporate flight attendant. Is that the correct term? Yes. Yes. So corporate flight attendant, um, uh, you know, in private, private aviation. Uh, yeah. So what does that, that, what does that mean? That, private? What does that mean? What do you mean by that? Um, well, so here's the thing. Um, my first job as a private flight attendant, I was with a part 91 job, which pretty much means, uh, the company or a family owns their own jet. And so for that first job that I had, I was the sole flight attendant for that family. And so, so I guess it was, I think it was four years. It was for four years. Um, I, I mean, 24, seven, 365, you needed to be on call. And what? so, it Oh was, God. Yeah, it was, it was a different experience. That's for sure. Um, but I, I loved that I got to experience it because with part 91 jobs, uh, a lot of times you get to go exactly where your clients are flying and you get to stay there a lot of times with them for as long as they do, unless it's some ridiculous amount of time, like months or something. And then they'll, you know, they'll fly you back to, to save money. But a lot of times you get to stay in some nice hotels. And with that job that I had, uh, they tried to always put us in Marriott. So I got to, to get that status up, you know, mm-hmm. really, really. Mm, it was mwah, perfection. I loved that. <laughs> so you did that for four years. I did. I did that for four years. Um, and then uh, I went over to the company that I'm with now that is, is so what it, what the company I'm with now is, it's like a fractional, not like, it, it is a fractional company. So the owners uh, have shares of the aircraft. So they actually buy into the aircraft. So it's not like a charter company that I work for where you can call up and, you know, just charter a, a flight. Um, you pretty much, I, li- I like to explain it as it's kind of like a timeshare for jets. Okay. Um, so you, you put a certain amount of money down and then you can have your jet uh, for a certain amount of hours uh, throughout the year and um, also different aircraft. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. And it, it's a completely different kind of schedule now than what I was doing with the part 91. So now I have a seven and seven schedule where every other week I have off. Um, but you also can manipulate it. So you can, you can slide your tours. We call our work week tours. Mm. So if you want to move it a few days, um, you know, you get in touch with the company and you ask if you can slide your tour, you know, sometimes they, they won't grant it, but, but most of the times they do. Um, I, I just went on a little family vacation um, and I had 17 days off because I slid my tour. But that means the next time I go back to work, I'll have seven days on and only two days off. And then I go back for seven days. So you can manipulate your schedule pretty easily. 
um, the schedule that I'm on and it's just, uh, it works out really well for me. I, I love it. <laughs> you know, I, so before we even had this conversation, I remember I wanted to record next week and you were like, I'm going to be on for seven days. And I can remember thinking, Oh God, hold on. I'm having some technical difficulties here. Uh oh. I haven't even had any wine and I'm having technical difficulties. All right, I'm back. So, you know, I can remember because my whole experience is commercial airlines. So, you know, exactly like a month out, you know where you're going to be. Most of the time, of course, you get diverted, your trips get changed, but it's you pretty much 95% know if you're not on reserve what you're going to be doing. So when you were like, yeah. I'm on for seven days, I was like, oh my God. But now that you told me that for four years, you were on 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, I'm like, oh, seven days is nothing. Yeah. The, the thing is though, with that, that first job, even though I was on call 24 uh, seven, I only got a short show where they called me like the day of and said, you need to be ready. You know, we need to go today. That only happened one day one time ever. So we usually had a week notice. Um, and a lot of other part 91 companies, you know, aren't like that. It's, it, it's crazy and your time isn't your own, but those are the kinds of jobs that you do get to go to some phenomenal, amazing places. And it's, it's just really fun, but I'm glad I got to experience it. But I love that my time is my own now where I, I know exactly when I'm going to be gone. Even though I have no idea where I'm going to be going, I know when I'm going to be gone, which is great. <laughs> so, so you're going to start work next week for seven days and you have no clue where you're going to be. Not a clue. Absolutely not. I pack a bikini and some kind of coat <laughs> all the time because I never know. I, I don't know if it's going to be cold or if it's going to be hot. I have no idea. <laughs> well, when, when do you find out? Like when you get to the air, so walk me through. So say you're at home, you and Nick are at home watching TV. It's day one of your seven. Okay. So what we do is, is we get a brief on our company's phone, uh, the day before. And so what they do is they let you know by 6 PM the day before day one, what your brief will look like. And it can change millions of times throughout the night. I mean, it can change however many times. So you'll go to sleep thinking you're going to, uh, you know, West Palm beach and then it changes and you're actually going to, you know, San Francisco. Um, so it can change as many times as they want it to, but the only thing that can't change is your show time. So if they say, Oh, we're going to move her to a much later, uh, airline out somewhere, they can't change my showtime. So I will technically be on whatever that original showtime was until the new airline that they booked me. So it, it can change all over the place. Now explain that to me and the listeners. Um, so they put you on other commercial airlines to position you in an airport where you're going to have to work out of. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, uh, the thing is, sometimes you can fly out of where you're based. Um, if you're, say you're based in Teterboro, that's such, such a busy airport. Um, you know, usually a lot of times you'll be flying out on our company's aircraft and they won't need to airline you anywhere. But you're also near JFK, 
um, and, you know, Newark and, and LaGuardia so they can easily airline you anywhere else that they'd want to. Um, for me, Charleston, for, I, God, it's been six years now with this company. Um, I think I've flown out on my company's aircraft to go to work maybe once or twice. The rest have all been just airlines. So oh, wow. they are responsible for airlining me out to wherever the aircraft is. Um, if I'm not on one of our company's aircraft. Have they ever had to put, um, and what's the terminology again, when they put you on another airplane? Airlining. Airlining. Cause for us, when they have to reposition us, say like you're based in JFK and you're like, they're like, all right, you need to pick up this trip out of Phoenix. They'll deadhead you to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so airlining. Mm -hmm. do you, have you ever been airlined like to Europe or anything? Oh yeah. And oh, those, those, best. those are the best because our rules just recently changed where, um, I think it's, oh gosh, what is it? Five hours. If you're doing an international airline, uh, and it's five hours, I think that's right. If I'm wrong, oops. Oh, well, but, um, <laughs> they, it's something like, I think it's five hours. They have to put you in first or business class, oh. which is, a, oh my God, I love it. So, so if they, if you get your 6 PM text message or message on your work phone, you have a work phone. That sounds fancy. Yeah. Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, they could be like, we're, we're airlining you to JFK and then we're airlining you to Madrid. Yeah. And then you have to be first class or business from JFK to Madrid. Yeah. So they can, they do that a lot. Um, I mean, Oh my God, why am I not, I need to give up my edibles. And go, <laughs> go to that because that sounds amazing. Come on over. Come on. Oh, my God. So, oh, my God. I'm getting all flustered because I want to go work here. See, I thought it was terrible until you told me the job before you were on 24 hours, 365 days. Now I'm like, I could handle being on reserve because it's kind of like a reserve idea. Because you don't kind of, yeah, you don't so really know where you're going until the day before or the day of. Yeah. The only time that we know, um, way in advance, like a week in advance or something is if it's, um, a, like a really important international flight where they need to make sure that, you know, we, we can't have people that feel like they're sick or think they might have to call in sick. You know, we just want you to know in advance, you know, way in advance that this is a possibility for you to fly this. And so that's why we're sending this to you. So I've only gotten that, that about once or twice, but, um, yeah, the rest are just random. Sometimes we're ferry flighting. Ferry flighting is like a reposition flight with no no passengers. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll be ferry flighting, and and they'll say, "Oh, never mind. Uh, turn around, go the other way. We need you to be at a different airport." And so it's it's crazy. You know, you really never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of like the golden era of air travel. It just sounds so fantastic and exciting because I in my in my imagination I think if you're working for a company that has you know private jets that people are paying like a timeshare these people obviously have money like I'm used to people <laughs> I'm gonna say this I'm used to people I've worked flights where somebody walked on with a garbage bag and I said oh sir do you, would you like me to put that in the trash no these are my clothes and I'm like why am I here what? Oh God. Why, oh, why God. am I putting myself through this? <laughs> that is a true story. Hartford to San Juan, a gentleman came no. on with a garbage bag and I said, sir, do you need me to, 
no. Do you need me to throw that out for you? And he looked right through me and he said, these are my clothes. And I said, well, you could probably stuff them under the seat in front of you. I, mean, oh I, I don't know what else to tell you. Maybe he lost his check baggage or something. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm from, <laughs> I, listen, I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. And I know it was his luggage. Oh my God. <laughs> I can say it. I'm from there. Um, what is it like? What is it like working with these, with people that are influential and have money? Are, are they respectful? Because, you know, in commercial, you worked for a regional, commercial airline passengers are pretty much fucking animals sometimes. You know, it's like they bought, they paid $22 for their ticket. They're in the last row and they think for some reason, first class starts in the back. I don't know why. I'm like, you know, you're in row 30. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different every flight, uh, how, how the passengers and guests and, and clients act. I mean, it's, it's just different. You don't know what kind of day they're having or, or stressors that are going through their minds, but it's just, what we try to do is just give them their own personalized luxury experience. So, you know, on commercial, um, you know, they, they get the peanuts and in first class, they, they have their, their menus um, and they pick, you know, what they want. But with, with us, they could order honestly anything that they want. They're, they're given some kind of little menu to just for suggestions, but they don't have to do that. They can honestly order anything they want. So one day I could be, you know, fixing a multi-course meal for, for people. And then the next I'll be setting up a birthday party for a family with kids going to the, going to Disney world or, or something like that. And then the next time I could be setting things up, uh, for a quick dinner and then immediately making a bed for a transatlantic flight and then not seeing them at all for the rest of the flight. And they're like, I don't, I don't want any more service. Thank you so much. You know, it's, you never know what you're going to get with these, these flights. It's just, it's almost like a little adventure. <laughs> Because you just don't know what to expect, and you just have to be ready for all of it. <laughs> so the so the people, the passengers, you what do you call you call them guests, passengers? Um, do they pick their food before their flight? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, they do, and we we usually call them owners. The um, since they own shares of the aircraft, owners. Um, okay. Yeah, but they they actually can order whatever they want, and so. For us, we can see on our brief, on our company phone, you know, what they're ordering and everything. And the caterer actually gets that whole meal and delivers it to the FBO. So I'm not going out and buying this entire meal. Um, there are certain private flight attendants that do that. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, definitely with Part 91 and, and contract flight attendants, you know, they're they're uh, going out and getting all of this stuff themselves. And we can go out and buy things for extras to kind of uh, make the, make the flight special. Um, but our caterers, we have caterers that work with our company and they deliver everything to the FBO and uh, have everything set up for us. So we have to make sure everything's there and everything's correct. Um, and if it's not, you know, we have to try to fix it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes. 
with the with the guests ordering food. Wow. Now, are you, and you work alone on the flight? Are you the only flight attendant? Uh, we are. We work alone. I think um, wow. with our we have a, a couple hundred. Um, I I want to say it's two hundred something, but don't quote me on that. But we are alone on our aircraft. Yep, all by ourselves. So say I am influential and rich and I book or, and I'm part ownership in this company. I'm one of the owners, Laura, I'm one of the owners and I'm flying over Thanksgiving and I'm like, fuck it. I'm ordering Thanksgiving dinner. You have to prepare Thanksgiving dinner. 100%. Absolutely. Who train, how long, what kind of training do you have to go through to be prepared for any situation like that? Cause I, <laughs> I worked for an airline where if they asked for another bag of nuts, people would get upset. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was terrifying for me when I first started because I had absolutely no experience with fine dining or culinary or anything. And I mean, I was, I was terrified. And luckily enough, that first job that I had, um, the guy, <laughs> the lead passenger, I loved him to death. He only wanted uh, finger sandwiches with pimento cheese and egg salad and wine, like boxes and boxes, cases and cases of wine. And he, he was, he was the best. I loved him so much. And the <laughs> That was the kind of job where I did have to go and buy everything. So I would go out and I would buy everything for the finger sandwiches and the fruit trays and things like that. But he never wanted anything like amazing, like, you know, the turkey dinner and things like that. And uh, I lucked out because I got to slowly kind of learn and teach myself what this luxury service needed to be because he didn't want it. And whenever I tried to do things, like that, he would be like, don't waste my money on that. You know, he, he didn't want oh, wow. that stuff. Yeah. And so the thing is the aircraft management company with his jet, whenever he wasn't flying, we would go and charter the jet so that he could make money off of it. And that's how I really started learning <laughs> how to actually serve people with a luxury experience because <laughs> it wasn't really happening with that first job. Um, but I would definitely say to take a culinary class, I should have done that in the beginning and I definitely didn't. But when I went to um, my second job, the one that I'm at now, you know, they, they taught us our safety courses and we had, we had a little bit of a tiny culinary class, but I have just, you know, I've been doing, uh, watching videos and things like that. And honestly, one of the best resources um, as a corporate flight attendant uh, for the past year has been Flightist. Have you heard about her on Instagram? Who is it? It's Flightist. It's uh, so a mixture between um, uh, flying and hostess. So the flying hostess. So it's Flightist. Okay. Okay. No, I don't. I don't know yeah. who it is. Yeah, she her name's Jamie, and she posts ideas and recipes, and uh, you know, posts hiring and training information. And she has just been a lifesaver. And I wish that I had her <laughs> at the beginning of my career because I was clueless. 
I was absolutely clueless. <laughs> so, so when you were sharing the story about the guy who just wanted finger sandwiches and wine, that's when you worked at the um, the Part Ninety One company because he yeah. it's his money now. With this company you work for now, this airline you work for now, do people have to pay out of pocket? So if I'm an if I'm an owner and I'm like I want three bottles of this red wine and this and this and this. Is that included in the price that I pay to be a part owner or do I pay for that out of my own pocket? Um, that's actually something that I, I don't know. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> they, 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 they don't actually tell us um, stuff about that. I, I feel like some of my flight attendant friends are going to be rolling their eyes at me because they probably know, but I, I actually don't. <laughs> do, um, um, do the people get to take the stuff home? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. oh absolutely. Yeah, if they haven't finished something and they want to take it home, they absolutely can take it home for sure. I'd be the guy who would be like, "Oh, that hundred and twenty dollar bottle of champagne. I'm sorry, you drank the whole thing. I don't, you're an alcoholic." <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they they'll order all sorts of of bottles of champagne, you know, alcohol, and and they can take it all with them. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You, but may yeah, I, go ahead. I'm I sorry your your question about um about doing the turkey dinner but i mean yes uh we absolutely we have an oven we have a microwave um you know it depends on what aircraft you're on but some of them can be the size of a shoebox <laughs> and some of them are, are a little bit bigger like on the global um global 5000 and 6000 they're definitely bigger than than what we have um on some of the other other aircrafts um we had uh, we had one on the the Falcon that honestly was the size of a shoebox, but we made it work. <laughs> we made it happen. Well, that's because you're a professional flight attendant. You're not one of. The, I'm going to say it. every commercial airline flight attendant is going to hate me after this show. But I mean, I've worked with flight attendants who get upset. This is why I think I'm so obsessed with the corporate private sector because. You know, I've worked with flight attendants who get mad when someone asks for another Coke and I'm thinking you act like you, it's your Coke. You act like this is your airplane. Like give him the fucking Coke. Who cares? Yeah. Why do you, it's not like he's asking for your lunch. Um, but in your world, it's, you don't have, there's no time for that. It's the, the owner 110% all the time. Oh yeah, Absolutely. And I mean, if they want to take every single snack that's on the plane, they are welcome to it. I mean, it, it is their plane. So they, they can take whatever they want on board. I mean, it, it's theirs. So uh, they ask for it, they get it. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason flight attendants in the commercial sector, wow, I just said sector. I don't even know if that's correct, <laughs> but... Um, I th I've actually heard flight attendants and I'm probably guilty of this too saying, Oh my God, they're so needy. They're so, they're so stingy or oh, not stingy. What's the greedy. They're so greedy. And I think it's because when you work for these big airlines, you know that this dude paid $65 today. Like he bought, yeah. the, you know, my airlines over here advertising $29 to go to Houston from JFK. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I, you know, so I think it's, it's such a different mentality that you have to put yourself into. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It's, it's a completely different world. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely, I, I love it. And 
it's challenged me because I I was not at the caliber that I, I should have been at the beginning, but that first job really let me make mistakes and try, you know, kind of got myself to the level that I needed to be. And, and now, um, I feel like, I feel like I do. Okay. <laughs> you're like, I do. Okay. I'm sure you're fantastic. I hope. <laughs> what? So you spent four years at that part 91. What I did, what ma- were you burnt out? Were you like, I can't do this anymore. I need a little more structure. Is that what happened? Well, you know, I, I, what, what happened actually was that he wanted to sell his aircraft. That's, that's another thing about part 91, you know, the job stability, you, you don't know if they're just going to be like tomorrow, ah, you know, I don't, I don't want my aircraft anymore. Sorry guys. Um, so he actually gave us a three month notice. Um, and so we were scrambling to find another job and that's when I, I got on with this other company. Um, and the funny thing was he ended up changing his mind a couple months after that. And he said, all right, come on back. I, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I want to keep my jet and I, I want you guys to come back. And, uh, the first officer and I had already gotten other jobs and, oh. you know, I just had, a, I had a better setup with my new company. I mean, I, I love my schedule. I love being able to manipulate it. I love the benefits. Um, the, another cool thing about this company, the ferry flights that I was talking about where you can reposition, you know, they reposition the airplane. Mm-hmm. We actually, as employees can jump on those and go wherever we where, wherever it's going. Oh. <laughs> so that's, that's a fun little perk that we get. I mean, the thing is, though, you have to get yourself back because most likely, you know, there's not going to be a ferry flight going back to where you came from. Um, so you have to, you have to make sure that you have enough money to get yourself back from wherever, wherever the ferry flight's going. And so you can jump on a, a ferry flight if it's, if it's going to be going to, you know, London or, or Greece or something like that. And you can say, Hey, all right, let's have a little mini vacation right. and jump. So that, that's a, that's a perk that I love, but I haven't been able to use it yet. So I'm, I'm going to try to do that probably sometime this year. But that's really cool. It's, it's an awesome perk for sure. Did you, um, let's rewind a little bit because you mentioned something that, and I wrote it down and you mentioned throwing birthday parties on an airplane for a child. And I almost shit myself because <laughs> it sounded horrific. When you said it, I was like, is this her, like when she just dresses up for Halloween? Is she just trying to scare me? So I'm out of many mouths. That's what I do. No, <laughs> so. If, if it's some, if it's a family of like six and they're going to Disney world or Disneyland, do they say like, we want to have a birthday party and then you have to throw a birthday party? Well, see that that's never actually happened for me. What has happened for me is where we get brief notes and we can see what is happening, um, on the flight. And so I'll see, Oh, this family has a bunch of kids. Um, and they're going to Disney World, and owner services will let us know exactly what's happening um, with the flight. And so I'll say, all right, um, for my extras that I'm going to get for this flight, I'm going to go out, you know, and buy some some Minnie and Mickey stuffed animals. And 
and I'll get, you know, some cute little cocktail napkins that are pink and white polka dot. And I'll just get extras that, you know, really go with the theme of the flight. And a lot of times the passengers just and the guests and owners just won't even know that it's going to happen. And so it's a little pleasant surprise. Um, they get on, on board and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. And so it's really kind of um, a, a fun surprise for the passengers to just make, make their trip that much better. When you have like, so when you're like, oh, there's, there's kids and they're going to Disneyland, I'm going to go buy some of this. I'm going to buy stuffed animals. Do you get reimbursed for that? Or is that out of your own pocket? Nope. We get reimbursed. So we have a company called, and we, uh, we get to buy every tour. I think it's $200 per tour. We get to get extra items that, um, just can, can be something a little bit extra for the flight if you know it's going to happen or if you don't, you know, you can get chocolates and things. I mean, right now, you know, you're getting hand sanitizer. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right. Like that. It's right now it's, it's very different, you know, because our rules are, you know, we have to wear masks, we have to wear gloves. Um, it, it, you know, we don't have our, our welcome tables set up because usually when you walk in, you know, we have, fruit baskets or, or fruit trays or little canapes or, or things like that that are out for them to nibble on. And we have our magazines and newspapers out. And right now we can't have any of that out. Not, none of it's out right now. So um, yeah, COVID's just really thrown a wrench and stuff, but we're still, you know, still chugging through it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just chugging through it. Do they have to, um, when you, I'm, I know I'm just drilling you with so many questions. I did this to Mike Wagner, by the way, because <laughs> I learned so much. He was like, oh yeah, we throw bags into the, we go out and we grab the bags. We do this. Oh, we, yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? I was like, the pilots that I used to work for, <laughs> they don't even want to, they don't even, they don't want to do anything except push a button and then get on their Netflix app. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, you're out there throwing bags of insane. Oh, 100%. They are. And I feel so bad for when we go, um, you know, to like ski trips and they've got so many skis and we're trying to like Tetris these things into the, into the baggage compartment. <laughs> and I feel so bad for them because sometimes, you know, there's, there's some heavy bags, man. But, uh, yeah, more more power to him. I'm glad that's not my job. Well, you're you're <laughs> you're looking through the window out there, like, yeah. Well, I'm fucking fixing up, throw a birthday party at forty thousand feet. So settle down. <laughs> You'll be in the flight deck. <laughs> but that sounds that's so interesting to me that it's such a different world in commercial. I'm going to tell you, commercial airline flight attendants have no clue how what it's like on the corporate side. It's like you work for a very fancy high end hotel in the sky. Very much so. Absolutely. I would absolutely say it was like that. It's, I mean, it was, it was a shock to my system. Um, when I first got on and started talking to some of the other flight attendants that didn't have, uh, you know, employers that only wanted finger sandwiches, you know, things that, that they said that they did, you know, like with their welcome tables and, and how they, they did cute little things. And I was just like, wow, I've never done any of this stuff because, because my, my employer just does not want that. And he says, you know, I don't want you to spend money on that. But then 
as I learned from other people, I started incorporating it. And then that's when he, he kind of warmed up to some of the ideas, but then every so often he'd be like, stop this shit. I don't want, I don't want you to pay for this stuff. Was he, was he a celebrity? <laughs> No, no, oh, he's not. Sounds like a celebrity. <laughs> Do you, um, oh God, I, I'm a bitch today. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you laugh. Um, do you, at your current airline, do you guys have celebrities that fly on your airline or is it mostly just like wealthy, regular people? Oh no, we, we have celebrities. We, I mean, you don't know who you're going to get. I mean, it's going to be business people. It could be a family with little kids. It could be just one individual. It could be musicians, golfers, uh, tennis players. You know, we have a lot of, of guys. And uh, I think there there's a lot of people in the golf world that like their hats and stuff at the, at the Masters and U.S. Open, things like that. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely a couple of celebrities for sure. Sometimes I'll see celebrities that I follow online and I'll see them on a private jet. And I'm like, I wonder if they own the jet or it's like this type of situation where they're an owner of or not, like an owner that flies on an airline like yours. Yeah, yeah. Because that happens a lot. Uh, you know, it just depends. They could be part 91 and have their own jet um, or they could have a fractional service or, or they could be chartering it out. You know, you just never know. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, do you, let me ask, how do I want to say this about celebrities? Do you get starstruck when there's going to be a celebrity? Okay. Let me rewind. When you find out where you're going to go, when do you know who's going to be on the plane? Um, so usually, um, the same time we'll, we'll get our, our brief, um, unless it's just an airline, if it's a brief saying that we're airlining somewhere, you know, we might not know what we're doing next, but once we get a brief for an actual flight, we get all of the notes on where we're going, who we're flying, what the catering order is going to be, what the context of the flight is going to be. So we, we get all of that in the brief notes. Do you get starstruck? Have you ever been? Okay. Two questions. I know I'm, I'm just throwing them out at you. Do you get starstruck and have you ever like been so overwhelmed because there was a celebrity or somebody you were impressed with that it was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. I thought that I would be, but I, when it comes down to the time when it actually happens, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's muscle memory. I just, I just, you know, go through the steps of what I need to do and it, and you know, it just, it, it doesn't happen. I think, Oh my God, I'm definitely going to be starstruck for this one. But then it, it just doesn't happen. And, um, I don't know. They, they've usually been so, so nice. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird experience to talk about, but it's, I mean, it's fun. And I, I definitely thought that I would at some point, but so far I haven't made a complete fool of myself in front of a celebrity. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> When I was a flight attendant, you know, it's now starting to feel comfortable to say, it's taken me a couple months when I speak in past tense about being a flight attendant. But when I, uh, would, when I would work on a plane that had first class, I never worked first class because I'm, I get too starstruck and I'd be fired. Like if Kristen Wiig was in first <laughs> class, I would, 
I would throw myself at her and I wouldn't even know I was doing it. Like, like I would see her and then I'd be in her lap and she'd be like, what the fuck's going on? I'd be like, Oh my God. Cause I love her or Viola oh Davis. It, I would just have to, if Viola Davis was on my plane, I would just have to open the door and jump because yes. like, I just couldn't like, I, I can't. Um, and whenever I would work, <laughs> whenever I would work out a first class plane, I always worked in the back and, um, the lead flight attendant would call back and say, you know, Drew Barrymore's up going to be up front today. And I'd be like, don't let me pass row 12. <laughs> like bring my meal, bring so, my meal, so you never, bring my meal to the back. I can't go up there. That's hysterical. So, but you never, you, you never, uh, saw any flight attendant, like you never served any or celebrities while oh. you were a flight attendant. Oh yeah, I have some great flight. Yeah, I have some. Um, <laughs> James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek. I'll never uh -huh. forget. It was like two thousand and eight, uh and um, it was a full flight. He was in the exit row, and his TV didn't work. Oh no! Right, and then I was like, I "I'm sorry, I can't move you to another seat. The the flight's full." And then he pulled out his MacBook, and it was one of those. This is like oh eight oh nine, and macbooks apple had come out with a black macbook and i was like i have that in my mind i did not say this i was like i have that same macbook james vanderbeek is no more important than me <laughs> um i you know i had donald sutherland i had joan jett she was really cool she um she only ordered hot water she didn't even want the tea bag and i thought oh god really? yeah but the coolest part was um well, one of the band members had left the jacket on the plane and one of the flight attendants went down to baggage claim to give it to the band member and they gave her a signed CD, which I thought was so cool. Wow. Yeah. So I, awesome. I have had, I have had celebrities, but I think my mind works differently when they're in coach compared to first class. Cause I think when they're in coach, like if I'm on a plane, that's all coach seats or whatnot. Um, I, I think, oh, they're just in coach. I mean, I can't get that excited. They're in coach. Uh, they're, reg they're regular they're people. Regular. Right. <laughs> um, but when they're in the first class, it's very, it, I think it triggers something in my brain where I'm very excited. Now, one of my last flights I worked, we had, um, Serena Williams and her husband on the plane and they, wow. were, yeah, they were in first class and they were in the last row of first class. So, um, and then right after that was a lav and we had to kind of protect her because there were these teenage girls that figured out she was there and they would oh. go, yes. And they would go and hang out at that lav so they could like peek over and see what Serena Williams and her husband were doing. And we kept having to go. And then finally I went up there and I was like, can I speak to you in the back? I was like, nobody needs to be, everyone is, everyone is here for privacy and you need to take your seat and not bother with the first class passengers. And they were like, Oh, oh we're good. sorry. We wanted to get an autograph. I'm like, not today. That that sounds like me with the uh, stranger kids, stranger things kids. <laughs> You were chasing him down. He's a kid. These are, these are full grown adults. I was like, but you know, I, I have this thought of, um, you know, when, when you're a celebrity, yeah, you are just like us, but 
you know, people don't look at you like that. They get starstruck, they get excited, and but they need their privacy, and they're on the plane just like you, and they don't need to be harassed. If you want to harass them, harass them in the airport, because then I'm not responsible. There you go. I'm like, exactly. if you want to do the Laura thing and chase kids down on Netflix <laughs> TV shows, do it inside the airport. Do it. Do so, it. Yeah. And I teach them how to do it the best of them. Um, but you know what I do get? do get nervous about is when I'm, I'm giving my safety brief in front of a celebrity. That's, that's when I get actually a little nervous because I'm scared. I will forget something and I'll just, I'll like fluster over my words and they'll judge me. But that's, that's the only time when I'm like, Oh gosh, this celebrity is going to be on board and I'm going to make a fool of myself. But thank goodness that it hasn't happened. Once I get going, it, it, it comes out pretty, pretty smoothly. So, well, do they, do they even pay attention? I don't even imagine them paying attention. I mean, some do, and some, some are really thankful for it. And then some, some rarely even listen, you know, but we, we give it no matter what. And, uh, at that point it's, it's like, well, we've, we've given you this information and we're here for you if there's an emergency. <laughs> You know, I'm a big fan of Kathy Griffin, and I've seen her on a plane that looks like it could have been a plane that you work on. And I'm not going to tell you if to tell me if it isn't, but I have a feeling that I'm like, I don't know if she owns her own plane, and I bet you Laura knows her. I'm actually not sure about that. Oh, okay. I, I have flown her, and I'm not sure about that. Oh, my God. See? Now, the, now, you know I'm just dying. I'm like, God, just tell me one can you tell me one person that you've had on that I would get excited for and maybe piddle a little bit? Well, I can't, I can't tell you who I've flown um, with this company, but the company that I worked for, you know, with that guy, the finger sandwich guy. Right, right. Um, the, the, well, first of all, when you said fingered sandwich, all I heard was fingered. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great tale. But go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Um, but when I was working for him, he, uh, whenever we chartered the jet out, um, he always wanted to know who was on the plane. So he would actually tell us, he would be like, yeah, take, take pictures with whoever, you know, is flying on my jet. I want to know. And so I, I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, I'll get excited over okay. anything. You have no clue who I am. <laughs> this is my first ever celebrity that I flew. Not with the company that I'm with now. Right, so right. Let's, let's verify um, she cannot <laughs> talk about. And you know what? It's true because before I left the airlines, I never talked about celebrities that I had on the plane. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, it's privacy. It's, it's privacy and they pay for their privacy and then right. that's what they're going to get. Um, but uh, uh, so this other job, um, I flew uh, Justin Timberlake was the first celebrity that I flew. Um, and I, I was definitely scared. I was going to be just a, a ridiculous mess, but it ended up okay. And I remember his friends wanted, wanted me to, uh, make grilled cheese sandwiches for them. And they, they told me I should open up my own grilled cheese sandwich shop. And I was, I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> okay. I have questions. I have questions, Laura. So, oh God, no, no, they're not too bad. I mean, I, I, I yeah, they're not going to be bad. <laughs> so, the guy who, when you worked for that company for four years, you worked for that specific man who would rent out his plane because then that also helps pay for the plane. Right, okay. right. 
so he would he would be able to um, you know make make money off of that while he wasn't using it and and that's that's what he did a, a good good amount of the time um, which which was fun for me too right, that yeah. was great well yeah because then you actually <laughs> get to fly other people besides him so exactly you, you find out Justin Timberlake's going to be on your flight are you like holy shit I don't even know if I can do this yes okay <laughs> Yeah, because it's not like it's a commercial airplane where there's 200 other people. It's him and like three or four friends. Yes, I was, I was terrified. Um, I was so terrified, but it ended up going smoothly. And, you know, there was a crazy amount of catering, but we made it all work. And, and it, that was a really fun, fun trip. And man, I, it, it was one for the book because, I get to say that the first celebrity I flew was was JT. And he seems <laughs> oh, he seems actually like he would be a very very sweet man. He was nice. He was, he, he kept to himself a lot, um, but he was very nice. Very nice. I love it. The, what a great way to listen. You waited. You dropped the Justin Timberlake bomb right at the end <laughs> of the show, which is great. And I have to tell you, so my husband and I. It all it's so weird. My husband and I, we own two Jeeps. We have a Jeep Wrangler and then we have a Jeep Gladiator, okay. the new truck. Yeah. And so the the Wrangler is the JL model, which mm-hmm. we call the Wrangler J Lo. And oh, I love it. the Gladiator model is the JT. So we call it the Justin Timberlake. How oh, perfect. And I just dropped my pencil <laughs> on the floor. That's my <laughs> mic drop. All right, listen, before I let you go, because you're fabulous and amazing, and I know you have to pack because you got to go to work soon and you need to make sure if you're going to bring your bikini and your sweater. Exactly. I want to I play a round of Let's Get Grounded where I will name off a bunch of airlines. You pick one. I ask you the question and you answer it. It's fun. It, okay. It just lets me find out a little bit more about you. So awesome. um, Southwest, Alaska, JetBlue, American Airlines or Frontier Airlines? Oh, man. Um, uh, I'll do JetBlue. I knew you were going to do JetBlue because I bet you if you worked for a commercial airline, it would be JetBlue. So, all right. (laughs) I'm going to read this question. On a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia... If you could sit next to any famous person, not Justin Timberlake, because you have, dead or alive, <laughs> dead or alive, who would it be and why? So if you were on a 16-hour flight as a passenger, what um, celebrity, dead or alive, or any famous person, dead or alive, would you want to sit next to and chat with? Oh, my God. 100% Robin Williams. Oh, I almost just said he's dead, but then I said, "Oh, wait a minute, that's okay, dead or alive." Oh, Robin Williams, you would have uh, you would have been exhausted by the time you landed. I know, I know. He's he is so much, but oh my god, he was a huge part of my childhood, and I loved growing up with his movies and films. And he just was so important to me. Dead Poets Society. And hook, and this is one that a lot of people don't know about. What dreams may come? Have oh, you ever seen that? that? Oh my god, I love that oh. movie! I loved that movie. So so good, and 
Uh, I just, I remember he, he is the only celebrity that has actually affected me. Like when he died, like I, I just cried and cried forever. I just felt like I knew him because I grew up with him in, in different characters. And I just, ah, uh, it, it hit me, hit me in the heart. <laughs> so I would love to just, talk to him, understand his mind. He was just a genius. It seemed like yeah. I just, man, I would love to have met him. Absolutely. Yeah. He was, he was incredible. And I did love that movie. I thought that was a great movie. And I read, have you read his book? I'm staring at it right now. Robin, Robin, it's by David. It's cough. You should check no. it out. It was really good. Yeah. Um, David, this, this author, Dave wrote a, a book about Robin Williams and it's fantastic. You should read uh, it. It's really good. I will. Absolutely. I will. Oh my God. I think the, you know, when I, um, cause you know, I try to be funny every once in a while and you know, I had a really, I had a, you know, I had a really, <laughs> I know I'm trying to be humble. Um, but I remember when Robin died, when he committed suicide, I thought to myself, this is, this is a big lesson for the world because people look at somebody like Robin Williams or comedians or anybody like that, anybody in that echelon of, you know, celebrity, and they think they have everything, their life is perfect, everything's great. And it was just this lesson that I thought people needed to really see like, no, it doesn't matter who you are, Robin, Rob, you could be Robin Williams, one of the funniest people on the planet, and still suffer from sadness and depression and all that stuff. Absolutely. And have demons and I, I just, man, that's very true. What a lesson to be learned from. It, yeah, because when I was a kid, you know, I grew up, I had a very bad childhood. My parents were awful. And I can remember when I was in school, I was the funny guy because it, it hid. Because if I wasn't going to be the funny guy, I was going to be the guy that everyone's like, oh, my God, his life is a mess. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be the funny person. And that really happened in my 20s. Um where I would go out with friends and I was the funny guy. And I was like, wow, if I can be funny, they're not going to know all the pain that I've gone through. And, oh, wow. And it's, and so when this happened with, and I never knew Robin Williams had any type of issues like that. And, um, you know, to commit suicide, you have to be really committed to solving the sadness inside of you. I mean, I, I've always Absolutely. thought like, yeah, like I've always thought, if you're committing suicide, you're at, there's no other, there's not, no other hope for you. And that always makes me very sad, but it was such a well, great lesson. He didn't, he, um, I want to say, was it Louis body dementia that he was, was just starting to show signs of, and he was in pain all over. So I, wasn't it like depression and the Louis body dementia? I could be very wrong about no, that. No, I'm not sure. I think you're right. You know, when it first came out, it was, um, oh my God, Robin Williams committed suicide. Oh my God, how could that happen? And then I think as the years went by or as the more information came out, he, he had, I believe, been diagnosed with something like that. And maybe he just thought like, yeah, I'm not going to go down this route. Yeah. I, I heard something about him um, having a lot of pain and living, living with pain for, for a, a few months before that. But all of this, I'm, I'm not completely sure. I've, I've read a bunch of different articles that said completely different things. So 
I'm not completely sure. All I know is I was devastated. <laughs> Aww. Well, thanks for ending the conversation on a sad note. No, <laughs> You had me all excited about Justin Timberlake. No, I'm just kidding. Laura, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Oh, no. I hope you had fun. Did thank you have fun? You. I, I had a great time, Joe. Right. Thank you so, so all right. much. You take care, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also, check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.